Hi everyone, and welcome to this Biome by Grizzly uh, video podcast where we will be talking about a UK conservation issue. I'm Roby Watkinson, and this is... I'm Emma! Woo! And today we're going to be talking about the plight of the Eurasian curlew. Dun dun dun! <sighs> Curlews are amazing, and they have, like a lot of things, they've really suffered in the UK. Um, so yeah, I think... Do you want to start by just sort of telling people a bit about curlews? Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do a little kind of species overview of the curlew. So, Latin name first, just because you know I love my <laughs> Latin names. The Latin name is Numenius arquata, both of which refer to the curved bill, and it's a large wader in the wader family Scolopacidae. It's one of the most widespread curlews, um, and quite often the largest wader in its range. So you'll you'll be quite hard pressed to mistake it for anything else it's this massive black wader with this fantastically long curved bill because it's um, the largest wader in europe so the ones that we would see here in the uk is is the largest yeah, yeah. one in europe you might confuse it with the wimbrel a related species if you're particularly far north in scotland but i think for the most of us we'll be fine i think the bill is um, kind of the distinctive yeah. part of the beak yeah so why it's quite interesting in the UK, at least, is that it's usually a migratory species. And so it summers in Europe and then winters in Africa, southern Europe, bits of India and South Asia. But actually, Britain is uniquely placed to be quite temperate during our winters because of the Gulf Stream. And so the British Isles are one of the only places where you get a population year round. And so, I don't know, I think that's something to be quite proud of. I think it's really nice that we have this lovely year round wader. And unfortunately... It's really badly endangered because of us. <sighs> I think, yeah, because obviously we, we do have populations that come externally to the UK. But yeah, the fact that we have sort of the landscapes and the habitats that we can support curlews year round is fantastic. But a lot of that is being degraded, I think, in the sense that we are losing a lot of the habitats that would be suitable wintering grounds or suitable nesting sites. I think that's a big problem with, with curlews. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. The two, well, curlews are really unlucky in that they're kind of being hit with a double whammy. They're getting hit really hard during their nesting phase and really hard during their wintering phase. So when they nest, um, like a lot of waders, their nest is kind of like a tiny little bare scrape in the ground. Um, and they like to nest on tundra or taiga or meadows. And in the UK, that kind of, by definition, means farmland. And so curlews are now really threatened because... They nest in these farm fields and modern agricultural practices, some of which are in line with UK, EU guidelines, um, stipulate that grass has to be cut earlier and more often during the year. And so this poses a massive threat both to the eggs, which should be smashed to bits, and also the young babies because they're not altricial. They can't just fly from birth. A huge proportion are kind of ground up in, in combine harvesters. Um, and I think Which is really sad. It really is. And there was a fantastic documentary that Roby and I went to go watch. We just spontaneously went to a film festival, which was great fun. It was um, great. <laughs> but it was a documentary called Keeper of the Call. Um, and I think it's filmed by Billy Clapham. It's 
really, really, an, an really nice insight into curlews, but also really sad because you've got this one farmer who is really trying to follow the these curlews that are on his farm and looking out for the chicks and they tag them they're using telemetry to kind of monitor the chicks um and it really does give an insight into kind of the plight that the curlews are facing you've got predators you've got foxes badgers red kites buzzards and then like you just mentioned with the farming um you've got this horrible scene with like the this mm. big tractor coming in and then the farmer runs out and he's like i need to check on my curlews and it's like <laughs> it's heartbreaking yeah and what's what's really quite interesting about that is um you know we would usually think that natural predation is not something that we should interfere with but actually because curlews nest in farmland so much the farmland mosaic environment which is artificial entirely actually supports a much higher density of of predators uh, which might take curlews than if they were on the tundra. So in an area of farmland in the UK, you'll have much a much higher concentration of foxes and badgers and things like that than you would on, you know, a vast expanse in Siberia where these birds might otherwise be nesting. And foxes in particular are a massive, massive threat uh, to, to, to these curlews when they're breeding. And... As if that wasn't enough, they're also getting hit really hard in their winter feeding sites. But I quite like that. So in in this documentary, they had it was an electric fence. So it's but just very humane. It it was it's just a deterrent against sort of land predators like things like foxes and badgers. It won't harm the foxes or the badgers. It will just be a little shock, and it keeps the curlews safe. Um, so I thought that was quite a nice nice means of helping them helping the nest anyway. yeah yeah absolutely um and there's also a fantastic conservation organization called curlew country which are going to nests removing the eggs hand rearing the chicks and then releasing them and so you get a much lower infant mortality for this species i mean it, you know it doesn't solve all the problems it's very much a temporary solution um largely because of of this next kind of uh, threat they're under which is their winter feeding grounds um so obviously these are wading birds so they don't just like mud flats they also like kind of flooded coastal fields and bogs and these are being lost in the uk at a, a massive rate due to drainage and tilling um and so they're actually losing their winter feeding grounds uh, which they depend on to build up the fat reserves to get them through the winter and into spring yeah no it's i think that's the that's the hard part for me it's when they've got natural predators i can understand that that's sort of part of it's just part of the natural cycle but then when you've got Absolutely. human behaviors interfering severely then i start to think that we really need to play a role in that because on top of the things you've just mentioned you've also got the risk of climate change which is going to it's going to yeah. affect everything and it's going to affect us all but the fact that already we're seeing an increase in the um the frequency and the intensity of storms in some areas like those the fields or kind of the estuarine environments they're just becoming too wet and the curlews can't feed and they can't stay there in the winter. So the protection Absolutely. of these wintering grounds is is really, really important for curlews. Another another couple of threats as I was researching this, which I hadn't considered before, um, but kind of niche threats which just popped up. Um, someone was looking at the threats to the circadian rhythms of shorebirds, um, which might be caused by light and sound pollution because of human development, you know, along estuaries where they feed. 
Um, and so it wasn't specifically about curlews, but it was looking at a whole a whole um, group of British shorebirds, curlews included, um, and it found uh, the potential for quite significant damages both to their kind of natural day and night cycles and also um, the signals that they get to trigger their migration. So they might start migration too late or too early. Um, and so, yeah, these poor birds are being really massively threatened. Um, and if we don't do something about it really soon, um, we might get what they have in Spain, in the Iberian Peninsula, which really highlights a future to avoid. So in the Iberian Peninsula, there's uh, now less than five breeding pairs of curlew in one tiny wetland area. Um, Is that the same species that we, we have here? Yes, it's the, it's the same species and it's the same um, subspecies. Okay. I think, the nominate subspecies. Nominate subspecies. Um, and they, scientists did some genetic tests and they found incredibly low genetic diversity, as you would expect for just, you know, less than 10 birds. Um, they had only, in one intron, it was just a single monomorphic version of it, which means... Um, they only have one particular method of expression for a certain gene, which obviously isn't good if you need to adapt to a change in climate. Um, they've all got a single mitochondrial DNA haplotype. And so because of all these, you know, rampant threats, the Iberian population is, is forecasted to go extinct in the next five years. And if, if we don't do something soon, our curlews might very well go down that same route. And I think that's why it's important. I mean, yes, there's a case of human interference, like how much should we interfere? But like you were saying, where you've got the sort of eggs are being taken, they're being reared sort of in incubators until they hatch to to boost fledgling numbers. And I think something like that is crucial at the moment when you've got um, a population that's rapidly declining um, like they are. Because isn't it something like we've lost... 50% of curlews in the last 20 years that's in in the UK uh in where is it in England and Scotland we've lost 50% in the last 20 years in Wales it's been 80% and in Ireland it's been 90% wow. so already you know <laughs> as we've said before we might be seeing an extinction vortex for this species um which is awful yeah uh, yeah, but I think and there that... is always these. Sorry, go on. No, just kind of just saying. I think that's why we need conservation efforts now. It's not something that we can sort of just think about and be like, oh, we need to do something. Let's plan it. It's kind of like no, we need curlew action now. So I really respect yeah. the organisation groups, like you said. It's curly. What was the one you said? Curlew. Curlew country. Curly I think country. It's I think there's also one called Curlew Action, um, and mm. they're doing similar things in terms of raising awareness and. Yeah. yeah, but what I think what should be noted is that these kind of captive breeding programs are, are, are you know are useful now, but unless we address threats to the habitat as a whole, we're not really we're not really going to ever get towards a healthy population again. So, um, you know, there could be incentives either through regional devolved government or through parliament or through the EU. I know we're about to leave it, but perhaps that's something positive that could come out of this leave. Perhaps we could change our agricultural policy to encourage later grass cropping. Um, we could also do something which was really quite interesting in that curlews are known to prefer disturbed grassland. So they would prefer a farmer's meadow to a wild meadow. 
But obviously when they... Yeah, that is interesting. But obviously when they settle in farmland, they're at risk so much more from all these predators. Um, So, you know, on top of electric perimeter fencing, we could do something called um, grassland disturbance techniques, which was a very interesting paper, which basically said, actually, go out into some wild meadows, disturb the ground a bit, and you might get curlews to breed there, which I think is quite a really interesting yeah way to address that and then like we mentioned in a previous video podcast that we did about beavers um bringing in other species as sort of land regulators or habitat regulators could also be an option because things like beavers they can restore wetlands they've been shown to sort of be able to transform and improve the quality of land in that way so not only like you're saying these human kind of land management strategies but maybe if we want to take a step back we could hand that roll over to things like beavers um yeah or you know introducing large ungulates bison stuff like that they yes. will disturb the grassland to no end yeah <laughs> sorry we really we love, love bison. bison yeah yeah i just bison are really quite close to my heart <laughs> um so yeah that's probably um one last thing to mention with the curlews we stand to lose more than we currently understand there is lots and lots of new evidence coming out at the moment, which we had no idea about previously, about how shorebirds act as vectors of plant dispersal. So obviously all these wading shorebirds, they're long distance migrants and they carry seeds within their gut that they've just picked up as they've been feeding. Um, and this is actually something called endozucori, the germination of seeds and transport of seeds through vertebrate hosts. And one study by Lovas Kit, Lovas Kiss et al., 2019 in ecography journal of ecography looked if there was a correlation between plant dispersal patterns and um the the migratory patterns of waders including the eurasian curlew and they found that there was a correlation there so we can't afford to lose the curlew because we don't know we don't fully understand the trophic interactions between the curlews and the environment i think it was something like 28 different plant species uh, were found to have been transported in the stomachs of these of these shorebirds. So not only, you know, we shouldn't lose the curlew because it's one of our iconic birds, we can't afford to in terms of ecosystem services to lose this species. Yeah, no, we absolutely can't. And I think that just shows as well how everything is so interconnected. You can't just treat a species as a standalone thing. You need to consider the services it provides, how it interacts with its habitat. And only then can we start to properly, I think, conserve it. Yeah, absolutely. But let's end curlews on a little bit of a positive note. So not only are curlew action and curlew country doing fantastic conservation things, we've managed to both see curlews in the wild. I was very jealous of Emma (laughs) when I saw two curlews on a mudflat in Wales and I hadn't bought my tripod. And so it was all I could take was blurry film and they were very far away and they flew off. And then... What did you see, Emma, when you went up to Mull? <laughs> Made me very jealous. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I kind of bombarded Roby with... I was like, oh my goodness, I saw so many curlews. Um, Knowing full well that I love curlews. It was a, it was an appreciation post rather than a, <laughs> making you jealous. Um, but I was honestly amazed. This was up in Mull, so an island off um, west coast of Scotland. And the population there was... Like you, you could see them in kind of flocks coming in 
um, along the coast, you could hear the, the calls are just stunning. I love the curly call. And I was really, really amazed. We got to see them sort of foraging really close to the shore. And I think the call is what really, really stuck with me because in a lot of the UK, the call has been disappearing and people haven't been hearing the curlew's call for a long time. And to just hear it wherever you went was wonderful. I'm going to try and end this podcast. I'm going to go onto YouTube and try and play a curlew call because this is so beautiful and this is what we stand to lose. So, okay, this is at Leighton Moss Nature Reserve. Is it going to happen? It might be through your headphones. This is the call of the curly. So yeah, that might sound a bit blurry, but that is the beautiful call of the curly, which we need to protect. So yeah, that's ending on a positive note, I think. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to our latest video podcast about Eurasian curlews. Um, so please subscribe to the Grizzly YouTube channel and you can also check out more updates on these video podcasts on the Instagram biome by Grizzly. And we would super love it if you checked out our Instagrams, which is uh, at Roby Watkinson Wildlife and at Emma Hodson Wildlife, which is nice and simple. And we have another podcast called Zoology Ramblings, uh, where we basically just ramble about wildlife. Uh, and that is on Spotify under Zoology Ramblings, if you are interested or so inclined. Yes, so thanks so much. See you next time. Bye. So thank you for listening to the Biome podcast. Please subscribe and you can also find our videos on YouTube by searching for The Biome Podcast. So see you next time and thanks for listening.